0: You know, we can't control the events and experiences that happen in our life. You know, we can't control who it is that we get to raise and to love and to nurture. Um, how we respond to those things is where our influence lies.
1: Welcome to Tilt Parenting, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. My name is Debbie Reaver, and I'm the host of this show. And today I'm bringing back to the podcast a guest who just has so much goodness to offer our community. Casey O'Rourke, a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, author, and host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Casey is just about to publish her first book, a passion project called Joyful Courage, Calming the Drama and Taking Control of Your Parenting Journey, which I had the chance to read in advance, and I absolutely loved how accessible, tangible, and real it is. As you'll hear in our conversation, Casey has insights and strategies that are so helpful for parents raising challenging kids, and paints a realistic and doable picture of how we can truly calm the drama happening in our families and find more peace in the day today. Before I get to the episode, I wanted to give a shout out to some new supporters of the podcast, Dan Shiopu and Caitlin James. Thank you so much for joining my Patreon campaign and helping me fund this show. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support its production, Please consider joining Dan and Caitlin by signing up for my Patreon campaign and consider supporting the show at the 5 10 or even $20 a month level. That money goes directly toward covering the production costs for the show and keeping Tilt Parenting going. Thank you so much for considering. And if you want to learn more or to sign up, just go to patreon.com slash Tilt Parenting and Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thank you so much. And now here is my conversation with Casey O'Rourke. Hello, Casey, welcome back to the podcast.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Well, this is a really exciting occasion because we're going to be talking about your new book. And as I was reading it, it's fantastic. And I'm really excited to just dive in and share with my listeners. It's called Joyful Courage, Calming the Drama and Taking Control of Your Parenting Journey. It's so perfect for my audience. And so I'm excited about that. And I just want to make sure listeners go back and listen to the first conversation, which was episode 20. It was almost three years ago, which is shocking (laughs) to me, but it it was all about positive discipline. So we'll touch on that a little bit today, but definitely if you're newer to the podcast and you haven't heard that, go back and listen because it was a great conversation. But for today, if you could just take a few minutes to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about joyful courage and your work kind of broader work in the world, and then we'll get
0: into the specifics. Yeah, I would love to. So hi, listeners. I'm super glad to be here. Thank you again for having me and for reading my book. And it's such a crazy whirlwind experience, as you know, putting a book out in the world. Um, So I'm Casey. I am the mom of two amazing teenagers. My son is 13. And my daughter is 16, and I am a positive discipline trainer as well as a life coach. And now, soon to be a published author, I'm also a podcaster. So, listeners, you need to come on and check out my show because I've had Debbie on a few times. And yeah, I mean, I was a school teacher, got pregnant, had my kids, lived out in the middle of nowhere. There weren't a lot of options for childcare. So, chose to be home with them and then got really interested in parent education especially considering my oldest daughter in my mind at the time was so like she was so easy and I felt like I was doing a really good job and you know so why wouldn't I want to teach other people <laughs> and now looking back I realize she nursed all day long she was in the sling she had to be in the sling all the time she co-slept which was a choice that we made happily. But it really wasn't that easy. We were just pretty easygoing with her needs. Um, And then having a second child really is what kind of threw me into, well, a lot of my conditioning and um, the modeling that I had as a parent came to the surface when I added a second child. And it was just, it was hard. And my emotions got the better of me often, often, more often than I'd like to admit. Uh, And my relationship with my daughter, right, the baby that made me a mom, really started to become challenging, intense and difficult. And so that's when I found positive discipline. That's when I became um, a positive discipline educator. And teaching and practicing positive discipline really shifted the climate of our home. And it did so much to support me in being the parent I wanted wanted to be, even as I lived with the conditioning and modeling that I had been raised with. So I taught the program for a long time and here locally where I live and then started to write about my experience. I started a blog and people really appreciated, you know, the feedback that I got was that I didn't make it look super easy Um, I was honest. (laughs) I didn't get it right all the time. You know, and that's kind of when I started the podcast too. I really wanted to have conversations with people that I admired, whose work I read, that weren't, you know, just do X, Y, and Z and everything will be fantastic. Like I want to talk about the messiness. I want to talk about the personal work of staying calm and centered when everybody's falling apart around us. And so that's really where my writing and my podcasting kind of led me into what is now known as Joyful Courage, which is my business. And so Joyful Courage, positive discipline lives inside of Joyful Courage, but Joyful Courage is really about choosing to really be in the opportunity for personal growth and development in inside of the parenting journey. So, you know, we have a choice. We can either you know, slog through and, you know, doing the best we can, of course, or we can recognize like, I mean, I don't know 100% cosmically why we end up where we end up with the people we end up with. Um, I have my own personal spiritual beliefs, but there is purpose and there is reason. And I really love that my relationship with my children um, has provided me with so much opportunity to develop as a human being in the world. And I think that when we look at parenting as an opportunity for that, that it just enriches the experience. It brings us closer to our kids. You know, I think it brings us closer to the people around us, whether it's friends, family, partners. So joyful courage really is about that choosing into personal growth and evolution as as humans.
1: Yes, to all of that. There you go. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for coming on the show. So no. many more uh, details. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> and you know, you just said choosing in and I love that language that you use in the book. Listeners who are familiar with my work, or if you've read my book differently wired, you're probably like, yeah, there, this is totally um, there is so much synergy here. This is so much of what I believe in not just in, you know, the learning opportunities that our kids present to us, but also that it is messy. And when you're raising, especially complex or complicated kids, that the most powerful work that we can do or way that we can support our child often are these subtle things that happen internally with Mm -hmm. ourselves. And what I want to talk about today because I hear from parents all the time, like, but how do I do that? And you really unfold a nice framework and great strategies to do that deeper work. So I think it's going to be really useful for listeners. So, okay, what I'd love to start with is you use this metaphor of the emotional freight train throughout your book. Can you talk about what that is?
0: Um, actually, the emotional freight train is uh, something that my son and I used to use uh, as a metaphor to kind of let each other know where we were at. And my son, he was probably six or seven, and he would just, when things didn't go his way, he would fall apart. Like Surprise. I'm sure no one has dealt with that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, disappointment, big emotions just really, really would just take him out. And he was mean. He typically would break his own stuff. Like, I mean, it was just madness. And so I just was trying to um, support him in being aware of what was happening for him. Of course, outside of the moment, right? This isn't like he's tantruming and I'm on the floor trying to engage him in a conversation about what's happening for him. This is Once he was calm and back to a fully functioning brain, I, you know, I said to him, finally, I said, you know, sometimes it feels like, and I start with my own experience, right? So sometimes it, when I feel mad, you know how sometimes I get mad and I get really mad and I'm kind of mean and I say mean things. And later on I I come and I make it right with you. And I said, sometimes for me, what it feels like is like a freight train. It's like I get picked up by a train and i'm not the driver and it the train is just wild and crazy and it just drives me down the tracks and and that is our emotional freight train and it's you know we we aren't in control it picks us up we're in total automatic pilot We'd say and do things that later on we feel really bad about. So it started off as a tool that my son and I can use like, oh, do you feel like the train's coming right now? You know, like that was the languaging that we use to kind of help him connect with his experience, you know, because we don't go from zero to 60. I mean, it can feel like it's, you know, snap and we're there, but really there is a build up. And the more we can become aware of, like I say in the book, the train pulling into the station And what the indicators are for us, whether it's a tense body or certain um, thought patterns or emotions, when we can start to get more familiar with the train pulling into the station, then we have a better opportunity to see the choice point of, am I going to get on? Am I going to go barreling down the tracks and possibly, you know, hurt my relationship with my child? Or am I going to take care of myself in this moment so that I can be what I need to be? for my child. And so, yeah, it started off with something that Ian and I created. I wrote a blog post about it. It really landed for people. It's something that I would bring up on my podcast. And then it just kind of became the metaphor for the book because I feel like, I mean, we all have been there. We've all been there, whether it's with our kids or with our partner or at work or out in the world, something happens, the trigger, the event, the experience happens. And we just we slide right into that emotional part of our brain and we have a mess to clean up later.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You describe, I don't remember the exact uh, situation, but in your book, you talk about, you know, I try, I try, I try, and then I snap. And I was reading that. I was like, yes, it's that. I mean, it's something that, yes, I think we all go through, but it It's always surprises me still when it happens when I cross over, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm doing great. I'm like, I've got this, (laughs) everything's under control. And then, and then I just seem to go. So, you know, you mentioned the body and I, I know this also as a trained life coach and just the reading and work that I've done, that our body is really our best indicator and tuning in is so important. And I still really struggle to do it. So can you talk more about the power of the body in this whole process of trying to, to knock it on that train when it pulls into the
0: station? Yeah. Well, and I think this comes back to being mindful and paying attention, right? So much of our daily life is kind of lived at the surface level. We've got things to do. We have people to take care of. We have places we need to be at a certain time, you know, all the things right? We're doing all the things and we get really good at kind of ignoring our body. I mean, you know, there's story after story of people who, you know, don't realize that they have a chronic illness or an injury until they're literally laid out on the floor because we just, we get conditioned to go, to move, to do, and we are not conditioned so much in in being and paying attention and being still and doing body scans and all the things, right? And and your your listeners that do yoga or meditation, you know, that's the practice, right? The practice of listening to our body and paying attention to our body. And so in the context of parenting, I think, because that whole, I try, I try, I try, and I snap, I hear that all the time. And it's like, well, you know, I, I ask nicely and then I ask nicely again and then they won't move until I, you know, yell at them, right? Or they won't do this until I threaten to take something away. But in the meantime, what we're missing is, you know, what's happening for us as we engage in the tools, the great tools that we read about, that we learn about from, from different sources, from friends, But as we're, you know, on our third nice request, you know, perhaps if we're paying attention, there's a lot of heat in our body or tension in our body or our hands are starting to move into fists or our jaw becomes set, right? Or the little muscles in our face start to to start to get rigid. So these are all indicators that in that moment, rather than asking again, and I think it's funny too, and I and I am completely guilty of this, right? Like I ask three or four times, you know, and they still won't move. And it's like, well, why do we keep doing the same thing and expecting different results? <laughs> like change it up, right? Change it up, Casey. Change it up, people. Like that is a big thing for me too, Is is remembering that sometimes it's less about them and it's more about me. It's about my delivery. It's about inappropriate expectations. um, And there's just small shifts we can make that will support us in supporting our kids and the body when we start to feel like, oh my God, I'm feeling tense. I can't believe I have to say this again. Like if that's the conversation, if that's the experience you're having, then try something different. Don't say it again. You know, that's your body saying like, hey, try something different. This isn't working clearly because you're getting really agitated so shift it up and perhaps before you shift it up take a couple deep breaths feel your feet on the floor come back into what is it that you want most yes you need to get out the door but yes you want to maintain relationship with your child right yes you want to make sure everybody gets fed and yes you want your child to feel you know seen and heard and connected to the family so Both of those things can be true. And I just think that the body is always telling us, giving us signals and giving us wisdom to remind us, like, slow down, check in, try something new, or even just, like, let it go, walk away. We'll be right
1: back after this quick break. So in our house these days, Darren and I have been working together to up-level our nutrition and healthy lifestyle habits. Maybe it's our age, our changing bodies, my shifting hormones, whatever the reason, I'm here for it. And that's why I'm loving Green Chef, a meal company that makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Green Chef offers gut-friendly recipes each week and is committed to providing a holistic approach to nutrition by offering meals that contribute to the overall well-being of your entire body. Darren and I are particularly big fans of their nutrient dense science backed gut and brain health recipes, developed in partnership with registered dietitians that improve digestion, reduce bloat, and also boost energy and immunity. This week's favorites turkey, black bean, and sweet potato chili, and the Baja Chicken Bowls with mango salsa. I mean, don't those sound delicious? But if that's not your thing, you can choose from a variety of customized meals to suit your lifestyles with preferences like keto, vegan, vegetarian, Fast and fit, Mediterranean, gluten free, and protein packed. Whatever you choose, you'll get farm fresh ingredients, organic whole fruits and veggies, and premium proteins, along with chef crafted, nutritionist approved recipes delivered straight to your door. Go to greenchef.com slash 60 tilt and use code 60 tilt to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's 60% off plus 20% off your next two months when you use the code 60TILT at com slash 60TILT. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well.
0: And like you said, remembering to practice. Yeah, and I talk about this in the book. We are out of practice of listening to our body, right? So just declaring that, okay, great, this is interesting. I'm gonna try this the next time my child is having a hard time or I'm having a hard time. I'm going to try listening to my body. You, it's going to be very difficult to do in the heat of the moment. It really requires us to practice when the stakes are low. So practicing throughout the day, just like, you know, the, the most competitive elite athletes, they don't just show up to the meet and say, okay, I'm going to do so great because I decided that I'm going to do so great. Like they practice a lot.
1: I like to think of us as being competitive athletes as parents. That's I've never heard that before. I sometimes say that we're the wingsuit flyers of parenting, parents raising different kids. But I love that. I mean, so this is what you're talking about. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And I think you're right. It's so hard in the moment. Um, to remember to do that because it seems to come out of nowhere. I know it doesn't, but it seems to come out of nowhere. This explosion, of course, we often expect our kids to learn when they're in the, the yellow zone and they're about to be in the red zone. But you know, as, as adults, we often are not able to stop ourselves from, from moving into that. So one of the things you mentioned was to feel your feet on the floor. And I thought that was really. Interesting when I read about that idea of just really just noticing your feet and you're being grounded, um, that that can help any other, you know, I like this idea of practicing right when the stakes are lower. So yeah. because, you know, if I do yoga in the morning and things go down, you know, at dinner time, I'm, I'm not connected with my body by the time dinner time rolls around, right? Yeah. I, no, no, no. So <laughs> any other like tips for, making this more of something that we periodically, is it just like checking in a couple times a day? You know, yeah. any other tips for that for us?
0: Yeah, it really is checking in a couple times a day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as much as the smartphone is the bane of my existence, it is also a really useful tool. And when I work one-on-one with clients, this is something that I invite them into as well as some of my online programs, but use the tool. Use the tool that you have. So I have an iPhone, and I'm sure you can do this on Androids as well. But set some reminders for yourself throughout the day, just some little ding, some little vibration, some little sound that's going to remind you in that moment, okay, I'm going to check in what's currently alive in my body right now. And in the book, I have a tool that I call the three Bs, and it's breath, body, balcony seat. So if you're gonna use that throughout the day, what it sounds like is simply, you know, bringing your attention to your breath because while we are always breathing, we are not always paying attention to our breathing. And when our exhales, I just learned this for when I was writing the book and I thought it was so interesting. When our exhales, our exhales actually slow down our heart rate and our inhale speeds up our heart rate. So when we can breathe breathe, And have our exhales be a little bit longer than our inhales, we actually trigger our nervous system to calm down, which I thought was fascinating. So, you know, your little alarm goes off. You bring your attention to your breath. Take a couple breaths. Follow your breath into your body. What's going on in your body? Is there any tension? Yes? No? Is there any places where you could release? I often find that I can release the muscles in my face. I often find that I can pull my shoulders back and down, just even when I'm not triggered, even when I'm not in the heat of any moment, those things tend to kind of get a little tight. So I drop my shoulders, relax my face. And then the third piece is taking the balcony seat. So it's like, and you know this as a coach developing an outside observer, developing the ability to see yourself in the moment. And so that's really what the balcony seat is about is like, what's what if I was looking down on this scene, what's going on right now? And what am I missing? And what's this other person's story? Right. So like at the grocery store, how often do we go to the grocery store and maybe the checker isn't very friendly and it can for some of us, it can really kind of throw off our day. Or at least throw off our 10 minutes, you know? And and what happens when we lift up and out of that and recognize like, wow, I wonder if she's had a hard day. I wonder what's going on for her, right? Or the person that's driving like a maniac on the highway, right? It's easy to be, oh God, what an idiot. But the balcony seat, we can think like, wow, I wonder if there's an emergency. I wonder what's happening, right? So compassion exists on the balcony seat and curiosity exists there. So the three B's are also something that you can practice throughout the day. And it doesn't, it doesn't take a long time. It just takes a prompt to remember to go there. And one of the metaphors that I use in the book that I love that I, you know, years ago was talking to a group of parents at a co-op preschool that I was a, am a parent educator for. And, um, you know, I had a couple of, of moms that were just really resistant and it was just too hard. What I was inviting them into—it was too hard—and so I was kind of like, "Well, how do I explain this in a way that is useful, that that lands?" And you know, I live in the Pacific Northwest, and the forest is really dense. And so I said, "You know, it's kind of like when you go hiking, right? If you go to a, like one of the really popular local spots, the path is really easy to follow. Like, it's it's, it's clear. There's it's cleared out." You know, there's not a lot of um, obstacles. You're just walking the path. You can talk to your friend. You can pay attention to your kids. It's easy. And up here, if you look around and you pay attention, you'll see little indents in the forest. And those are the game trails. Those are the paths that the animals take. And But if you don't look, you don't see them. But if you look, you see them. And if you decide to take the game trail, it's going to be really tricky and there will be obstacles and you will probably need a machete <laughs> and, um, and you'll fall and you get to decide to get up and try again. And the more often we decide to walk the game trail, if everyone who was taking the main trail chose to take the game trail, what would happen over time is the game trail would wear down and the main trail would grow over. And it's the same it's the same as when we're trying to learn to be different with our kids or in our life, or we're trying to, you know, remember to be more mindful. The more we choose to do it, the the more insulated that pathway of the brain becomes. And the more often we'll remember, the easier it will be to access. But we have to practice. We have to walk that game trail over and over and over and over and over for it to start to become what is natural, what's more familiar and will still fall. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's a big thing for me too. I don't want anyone listening to think, oh, you know, three part, three steps to never falling apart in front of your kids again. Like, no, that is not the name of the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but what it is, is it's an opportunity to just become aware of what you're doing when you're doing it. And sometimes the awareness is, you know what, I am so angry right now. And I know that I'm on the train and, you know, I'm just going to ride it because that's what I'm going to do today, right? Later on, you get to make it right. You get to own it. You know, a great opportunity for learning from mistakes and being really transparent with your kids, but it's process and it's progress. It's not perfection. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was something overall that I felt in reading your book. And this probably happens to you when I'm uh, talking to groups of parents People often imagine that we're kind of beyond, you know, the hard stuff and that, you know, that, gosh, you're, but you're so patient and you're doing, I'm like, I am right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm having a good day, you know? So I think there is something so powerful. And that's one of the things I loved about your book so much is it was so authentic and accessible. And, you know, I was relating to so much of what you were writing and, I think that is so important for everyone to know that the things that are really hard in our own world, they're hard in everyone's world. You know, what does that do? It, just in your experience for a parent to truly understand that we're not alone in the really, really hard stuff for those days where we feel like we're complete failures and we've ruined our children.
0: Oh, you know, it's interesting because I wrote the book last year and I mentioned, hopefully not excessively, but I could have been kind of excessively that it was the first year of high school for my daughter and it was really hard. And I think that going back to the whole idea, the difference I think between you and I and the parents that we serve is simply that we are always talking about this stuff, right? Like it's so front of mind and i and i see that that's such a huge gift in my practice is you know knowing that i'm going to be standing in front of a group of parents knowing that i'm going to be jumping on a podcast and and speaking authentically that that's really helpful to me i still don't get it right all the time but i do appreciate that as part of my experience but you know last year was really really hard with um my freshman in high school grade nine, however you say it. And I know that you have an international audience. But she was 14 and then 15. It was her first year of high school. And it came on like a rogue wave. And it was really, really challenging. And I speak pretty openly about it. She's given me permission to speak about it. Um, But for me, I felt very alone. And, you know, here I was this parent educator I had been teaching and preaching positive discipline for the last, you know, since my kids were little and my teenager was going off the rails and I questioned everything that I had done up until that point. And I realized, too, that I had a very short list of people that I could reach out to. Well, could isn't the right word that I wanted to reach out to because there's nothing worse. And I'm sure you get this then sharing something about your child and having the other person get that look on their, that look of horror on their face, right? And it's like, oh, you (laughs) are not the person I should have told this to. But then realizing it was both like, wow, I don't have a lot of people. And then I quickly moved into actually, these are some, these three ladies, super quality. And I know that they can handle this and I know that they can support me. And so recognizing when it does feel lonely and then remembering that there are people who are having almost, gosh, a couple of my friends, like it's almost an identical experience. And it's so like such a relief, right? It's such a relief to sit in counsel with them and not to moan and groan and complain, but to simply say, this is really hard. And I feel like. I like I've lost it and I I don't know what to do and to not because they can fix it, but just because they can hear it and hold it. I think that that's really powerful.
1: It's it's so true. And, you know, I talk a a lot about that, too, that we don't need a we don't need a big support group. We need like a few people who we feel safe, you know, emotionally safe with. And I do think there's so much power in being able to just say the stuff that we feel maybe shame around or guilt or things that that we said or did involving our child and that just feels so bad. And even if we do make amends, we might still hold on to some of that middle of the night, is this the thing my child's going to be
0: talking to their therapist about in 20 years, you know? Right. (laughs) But it's okay. Hopefully they're talking to a therapist. I'm all for it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll save for college or therapy, which do you want? Uh, So true. So true.
1: (laughs) We'll be right back after this quick break. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely, and just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches. Six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered. The opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, monthly themes for getting specific and tactical, an exclusive private podcast feed, and the best, most generous community of parents. Seriously, these folks show up for themselves and each other, and that right there is really everything, because it's a daily reminder that we're not alone. Our kids aren't broken, and we have totally got this. Actually, there's a story that was in your book that really stayed with me about when your daughter got really upset and said she didn't want to live with you anymore. And I'm wondering if you would share that because what I talk a lot about and I think is so important is for us to recognize our triggers. And so would you just share that with with
0: our listeners? So this was, gosh, in the first month of the school year and um, things were off and tense and she had had you know she had tried out for the volleyball team and didn't make the team that she thought she would make I'm just gonna give a little background to this story that's not in the book so surprise <laughs> um and in their very first match she actually ended up hurting her wrist so much so that she couldn't play and was in a cast and that and like all the things you know she was dating and not so desirable boy. And anyway, again, the rogue wave, you know, and, and I just couldn't get in there. I, I didn't have the skill or the words that, I don't know, that I needed to understand what was happening for her, for her to open up. She was very closed off and, and just, I remember sitting, she was sitting on the floor in her room and I was sitting next to her and she tends to be a silent tear. Prior, like she doesn't sob or anything. It's more of just like, it's very traumatizing for the observer. The silent tears, and you know, and I'm asking questions, and she's not really able to articulate what's going on. Her friends had actually, now that I'm remembering, one of her friends had sent me a text and said that she was worried about Rowan. And so I went in there and I said, Hey, what's going on? And you know, after a little bit, she just looked me square in the eye and she just said, I don't want to live here anymore. And I was like, my kind of flippant, sarcastic inner voice was like, where are you going to go? You know, like, really? Um, and I said, really? I so well, you know, what does that look like? And and she's like, I don't know, but I just, I don't want to live here. I don't want to live with you. I don't want to be a part of this family. And it really came out of nowhere, or it felt like it came out of nowhere. And I, like the, my entire insides froze and it was like everything got really tight and I was terrified. Like that's really the emotion that showed up was terror. And I just sat with her and I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. And we rode out the night. And the next day she stayed home from school and we I sat on the bed with her and we looked at some other options for school. She wasn't happy at school. I just stayed really open to her even as like I had this tension in my belly that I had never really experienced before and I couldn't breathe it out. I couldn't yoga it out. I couldn't meditate it out. It was just there, you know, and, and it t- turns out when I was able to kind of take the balcony seat and look at the bigger picture, when I was I was 14 or 15, I think I was 15, I actually moved out of my mom's house and in with my dad. And that was the beginning of a long period of time where my relationship with my mom fell apart. And I think it was my body remembering that even as my mind didn't really go there, like I didn't connect those dots in the moment when I was sitting on the floor with Rowan, but my body absolutely did. And um, a really cool thing that happened is a couple of days later, I was on a walk and I called my mom because we have now we're now in great relationship and and it's beautiful. And a lot I write this in the book, a lot of my relationship with Rowan has facilitated healing in my relationship with my mom. So I called my mom and I and I, you know, told her Rowan's having a hard time. I'm not really sure about what's going on. And I told her the story and we had never really talked about when I moved in with my dad. It was just kind of this thing that existed that neither of us talked about. And for a long time, I was like, she needs to own up, you know, like that was a hard time. And she was the adult. I was the child. Oh, I had this whole thing in my head about it. And then I, you know, did some personal work and found forgiveness and let go of needing anything from her. Anyway, so I brought it up to her and I said, you know, it, it never occurred to me what it must have felt like for you to have your daughter tell you that she wanted to leave. And I just, I'm so sorry. And I mean, it's just like something just cracked open in our relationship and we're both crying and she was sharing for the first time ever, you know, about her experience. And and it was really powerful, really powerful for my mom and I. And I went back and I told Rowan, you know, that I had shared with grandma and that it was like how powerful and how amazing it had been, you know, because of what she and I had experienced, Rowan and I. Because of that, I was able to forward something really important with my mom and and how grateful I was for that. Even as, you know, Rowan's got her issues and things are still happening there, it felt really good to acknowledge the gifts that were coming out of this painful time.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that. I mean thank you for sharing. And yeah. It really stayed with me. And I think for two reasons. One, what you just shared and it ties back to what you talked about in the beginning about just the incredible opportunities for growth that our children have for us, if we're willing to, to mm-hmm. not kind of run away from or push away the hard stuff, but instead get curious about what's really going on. But also just this idea that um, so much of what we find hard and what, what it creates the most conflict in our relationship with our child is our stuff. It's unresolved mm-hmm. things. It, you know, it, yep. it's the triggers that we have that we may not have thought about at all. And they might be from 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. And so I think that that's just such an important thing. Cause when we are willing to, to do the work to really get curious about ourselves to start noticing, to start paying attention. And, and it isn't a quick fix. And I, you know, so many parents, I think they want to know, okay, but how do I deal with this behavior right now? But this is such a process. Yeah. But as you said, the more we do this, the more we make this the way that we, we are in our parenting relationship. And we kind of work those muscles, it becomes more that new path
0: that we're on. Yeah. And you know, I, I just want to say too. Well, first of all, Rowan's doing great. So <laughs> we made no, it through the freshman year and Excellent. things are like 180. But the other thing too is, you know, we can't control the events and experiences that happen in our life. You know, we can't control who it is that we get to raise and to love and to nurture, um, how we respond. To those things is where our influence lies. You know, we can influence the outcome. We can influence results. We can't control them. We can't dictate them, but we can influence it by how we respond. You know, and when I think back to that tough year, had I responded from a place of anger and fear and punitively, right, to some of the challenges and some of the behavior that showed up, I would have lost my girl. Like, no doubt. But because and it it was hard. Right. And I a lot of the time I'm like, oh, God, I hope I'm doing the right thing. But I trusted in the power of relationship and the importance of us being connected so deeply that that really helped me write it out. And I know that that is what has influenced where she's at now. And, and even where she's at now, I still have questions like, did we do the right thing? Is she learning resiliency? You know, there's always going to be that. But accepting her for who she's at, meeting her where she's at, trusting in our relationship um, and just take being mindful and aware of my response has been so, so powerful and so influential in the bigger picture.
1: So tell us as a way to, this will be the last question. Tell us what you hope your book does in the world. You know, this is a, I know when we saw each other last summer, you were working on this and I know Mm -hmm. this is a real passion project for you and a big thing to be putting out into the world. So what is your greatest hope for it? And then can you also let listeners know where they can find you and learn more about your work?
0: Well, my biggest hope for the book is, that first of all i really want people to hear their own story when they read it i want them to really have the experience of oh she gets it and and to and to, and to read it with a feeling of hopefulness and i really want to support people in being aware of that opportunity for growth and development because you know so many parents i'm just finishing up the last week of a a 7 week live class that i'm i've done with a great amazing group of parents and and just watching what happens when they become more aware of the way like the power that they have to influence the power that we have to influence our experience there's just so much light and joy and hope inside of recognizing that even when things feel really hard and even when there's so much that you're not in control of, there's also so much that you are in control of that you that you can, you know, shape and influence and step into. And And so my hope is just that in reading this book, parents everywhere can have that recognition that there is something they can do to shift the experience that they're having on the parenting journey. And the controlling that, what is the title? Joyful Courage, Calming the Drama. Like the funny thing is the drama, this is a secret just for your listeners. The drama isn't the drama on the outside. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's calming the drama on the inside. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm excited. I am too. So where can listeners connect with you? So listeners can head over to my website, which is joyfulcourage.com. And there they can find the book. They'll be able to find my podcast. Um, I'm also on Facebook. I have a community, two communities actually. One is live and love with joyful courage. And I have another community called joyful courage parents of teens. Because as you might know, um, as I have found out, like parents of teenagers don't really want to hear it from people who don't have teenagers yet. <laughs> It's unique. It's a unique phase for sure. So I thought I was watching what was happening and I thought, you know, I'm going to give us our own space. (laughs) So yeah, I have those two um, communities on Facebook. I have a business page, Joyful Courage. I'm also on Instagram at Joyful Courage.
1: Excellent. And listeners, as always, I will leave all the links for Casey's site and her book and everything we actually brought up quite a few resources as well in the conversation. So I'll leave all of those in the show notes page for this episode. Casey, thank you for giving me a sneak peek of your book. I feel honored that I got to read it before it's out in the world. It's really just wonderful. I I enjoyed the read so much. I got a lot out of it and I have a feeling it will be influencing my my state of mind Even today. So thank you for that. (laughs) Yay. And thank you so much for coming on to the show and sharing with us today.
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate you and the work that you do in the world. Thank you.
1: You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. For the show notes for this episode, including a link to Casey's new book, Joyful Courage, Calming the Drama and Taking Control of Your Parenting Journey, Casey's website and all the other resources we discussed today. Visit www.tiltparenting.com/session153. A quick reminder that my book Differently Wired is now available as an audiobook narrated by me. If you'd like to sample it or purchase it, just go to amazon.com or audible.com. And remember that if you do want to try it out and you want to support Tilt at the same time, you can sign up for a free trial at audibletrial.com slash download the book, and then Tilt will be supported as well. Lastly, don't forget to leave a rating or a review or both for Tilt Parenting on iTunes if you haven't done so already. Ratings and reviews help keep this podcast visible in an ever-growing sea of podcasts. So thank you so much for taking the time to support the show in this way. And that's all for this week thanks again for listening. And for more information on Till Parenting, visit www.tillparenting.com.
3: Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.